you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you open them, please, to the book of Hosea, specifically the 14th chapter. We're going to begin reading verse 1 and then verse 4. On Sunday morning, we're in a sermon series entitled, The Prophets Speak. And we're looking at what the prophets of Israel said to that nation a long time ago. What the prophets to the Hebrew people said to them in times past. And may I suggest to you, if those prophets were here today, their message would be the same to the United States of America. Their message would be the same to you and I. Because you see, the Word of God is not just for the past, it's for the present. The Word of God is not just for them, It's for us. What God had to say to that nation and those people a long time ago is what God is saying to this nation and to you and I right here, right now. The Word of God is always relevant, always contemporary, always pertinent to each and every generation. In Hosea chapter 14, We're looking at the closing of Hosea's sermon. Okay? This is the tail end of his sermon. He's about to go into the invitation. You can hear just as I am in the background. He says in verse 1, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thy own iniquity. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thy own iniquity. You have no one to blame. You have no excuse. You have no defense. The devil didn't make you do it. The world didn't make you do it. You chose to do it. It's your own iniquity. And if you will do that, verse 4, I will heal your backsliding. I will love you freely. And I will turn my anger away from you. Wow. So far in our study of the prophets, I think we would all agree that though the prophets have all been a little bit different that we've looked at, they're all kind of the same. I think we would all agree that they walk to the beat of a different drum. Prophets are not your ordinary type person. They're all a little bit peculiar. They're all a little bit odd. They're all a little bit strange. Again, they're different. Think about Isaiah. We haven't looked at Isaiah, but you know Isaiah was a little bit different. For three years, he walked through the nation of Israel, dressed as a prisoner of war. Can you imagine that? Day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, for 36 months, three years. He looked like a prisoner of war. Never changed clothes. You could smell him coming. A little different. And then Jeremiah, the prophet, 
Jeremiah, for three months, carried a yoke upon his shoulders. Everywhere he went, from the time he got up in the morning to the time he went to bed at night, he had the yoke upon his shoulders. A little bit different, you would say. And then Ezekiel. Ezekiel, the prophet, you know, he acted like a child. There were times in his ministry that he was just a little boy. And he would play childish games. A little different. And then think about the greatest prophet there ever was. Jesus said there's no prophet that has ever been born of a woman that's greater than John the Baptist. But I promise you, if John the Baptist was standing up here this morning, you would say he's a little bit different. Because he dressed like a caveman. He eat like a bushman. And he lived like a nomad or a vagabond. You say, Pastor, why did they do that? Why did the prophets look different? Why did they act different? Why did they live different? Why were they so odd? Why were they so strange? Why were they so peculiar? Why were they so different? Because God is a God who speaks to all of our senses. And God, through the prophets, not only speaks to the ear of Israel, he not only speaks to the ear of the Hebrew people, he's also going to speak to their eyes. God is going to give them an audio-visual message, you might say, that they would not only see something that is different, but they would wake up and listen up to what the prophet who acts so different has to say to them. Now, in our text, Hosea is going to be different. He's going to be strange. He's going to be peculiar. He's going to be odd. He's God's man. God has sent him to the nation of Israel. He has sent him to the Hebrew people. He has sent Hosea to a nation and a people that at this time in history are rotten to the core. Have you ever bitten a rotten apple? Kind of disgusting. Well, the nation of Israel is a rotten apple, and the people of the land are rotten with it. In Hosea's day, the nation of Israel, God's nation, God's people, the nation has a government that's crooked and corrupt. The religion is humanized and focused and demonized in practice. The homes are dysfunctional and deplorable. And there's zero integrity across the land in the lives of people. Lying and cheating and stealing is just a norm. It's an accepted way of life among the people of God. And into all of this rottenness, God sends Hosea. And he says, Hosea, I want you to share with my nation and my people. I want you to show my nation and my people I love them. God loves people. God loves nations, particularly his own chosen nation and his own chosen people. And he says, go to them and show them how much I love them. 
But before you tell them with an audio message, I want you to tell them with a visual message. I want you to show them. And this is how I want you to show them. Hosea, before you preach to them, I want you to get married. You're a single man. I want you to find a wife. In fact, I've already found the wife for you. You are to marry a woman by the name of Gomer. Gomer has a problem, Hosea. She's a harlot. She's a woman of the street. She's a prostitute. She's a shady lady. But I want you to marry her. And I want you to establish a home with her. And I want you to raise a family with her. Rather odd request, would you not say? But that's what God said to the prophet. And the prophet did exactly what God asked him to do. He pursued Gomer. He fell in love with her. She apparently fell in love with him. He asked her to marry him. She agreed. They got married. They established a family, a home. But in their years of marriage... Gomer continued to be a harlot and a prostitute. Though she had a husband, though she had made marital vows, she was unfaithful to Hosea. She had many affairs with many different men. And in some of those sexual affairs that she had, outside of her marriage, she had children from those men. In fact, she would often leave Hosea she would leave him for days, for weeks, and for months, and be out man-chasing. And when she finally couldn't find any more men at that particular time, she would come home. Like a she-cat, I suppose. Well, one time she left. And she fell into the hands of some slave traders. And they bound her in shackles. And they put her on the auction block to sell her as you would sell an animal. She was put on the auction block to be sold as a sex toy to dirty old men. That's how far she has fallen. Hosea, her husband, who loves her, goes to the auction. And he buys his own wife. He outbids every evil, wicked man that's there. And he buys Gomer back. Brings her back to his house. And gives her yet another chance to be his wife. Odd, strange, peculiar. Yes, yes, yes. But God is using Hosea and his relationship with Gomer to be a visual aid that when Hosea preaches to the nation of Israel, they're going to understand what he's talking about. Because Hosea represents God. Gomer represents the nation of Israel. And these lovers that she chases after and sleeps with represents the false idols and the pagan gods 
that Israel is whoring after. Hosea understands what God feels because Hosea feels it himself. And now he's going to preach what he's lived out. His message will be Israel. You have prostituted yourself to idols. You have left the true and the living God. You have broken his heart with your unfaithfulness. And though Israel, you deserve to be on the auction block of Satan. Though you deserve to be bound in the chains of sin. God loves you and God's going to give you another chance. God is going to buy you back with the gold of his grace and the silver of his mercy. God is going to bring you back and give you another chance. And that's the book of Hosea in a nutshell. What Hosea experienced with Gomer, God was experiencing with Israel. Now, as Paul Harvey would say, there is a rest of the story. And that's what we're going to look at in our time remaining. We're going to look at the children that Hosea and Gomer had. One of them was with Hosea. Two of them were with from adulterous affairs. And then we're going to look at Gomer. And then we're going to look at Hosea. Now remember, these are just representations, correct? Of something far bigger. The first thing I want us to see is the children. The children of Hosea and Gomer. If you look at verse 3 and 4 of chapter 1. Now we're going to go from chapter 14 all the way back to chapter 1. You say, Pastor, I just came to look at you. I didn't come to no work. Hosea chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. So Hosea went and took Gomer to be his wife. And she became pregnant and conceived and bore Hosea a son. And the Lord said to him, the Lord is going to name these three children. There will be three children. The Lord is going to name them. The Lord says, Hosea, I want you to name your son that comes from you and Gomer, Jezreel. For yet a while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and I will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. Okay, verse 6. And Gomer became pregnant again and conceived. This time she would bear a daughter. And God said to Hosea, This is not your child. This is not your baby. But you're going to raise her. And you're going to call her name Loruamah. You're going to call her that. For I will have no more mercy upon the house of Israel. I will utterly take them away. Then verse 8 and 9. Now when she had weaned Loruamah, she became pregnant again. This is speaking of Gomer. Again with another man's child. And this child that she would bear from this adulterous relationship would be a son. 
And God said to Hosea, Call his name, call his name, Lohamai. For you are not my people, and I will not be your God. Now what we're seeing here, and I'm going to show you in just a moment, is God is grace. God is grace. Now, Hosea and Gomer get married. Again, she's a prostitute and a harlot. Not the kind of girl you'd bring home to mama. But Hosea, under the command of the Lord, loves her. She loves him. They get married, and they have their first child together. It would be their only child to actually together. It would be a son whose name would be Jezreel. God said to Hosea, I want you to name your firstborn son Jezreel. What does that name mean? It means God scatters. God scatters. The second child that they would have would be a daughter. It would become from Gomer's illicit, immoral relationship with another man. But yet Hosea is going to bring that little girl into his house and raise it, her as his own. Her name will be Loharuma. That name actually literally translates no pity, no mercy. Okay? You're thinking people. God's naming these children. And remember, there's more to this story than just Hosea and Gomer. The third child that they will have will also come from an adulterous relationship that Gomer has with another man that will produce a son. And this son will be named Loemi. Literally translates, not my people. So Hosea has three children in his household. One is his, two are, he doesn't know whose they are. The first one means God scatters. The second means no pity, no mercy. The third one means not my people. Now God named these children because God is sending a message through these children's names to the nation of Israel and to his own people. And what he's saying to them is this. Unless you repent of your sin, unless you confess and repent of your sin and turn from the sins that you're committing that are breaking my heart. I am going to come against you. I am going to scatter you to the four ends of the earth. I'm going to use the Assyrians to come marching through. They will show no mercy. They will show no pity. They'll give no quarter. They will utterly decimate you. And I will withdraw my hand from you. I will let my covenant with you be withdrawn. You no longer will be my nation. You no longer will be my people. Or that's the way it's going to seem. Unless you repent, the names of these three children is what's going to happen to you. And they did not repent. And God brought judgment. God brought judgment. The nation was scattered and ceased to be. 
the Assyrians murdered the men, raped the women, and took prisoners of the children. They showed no pity. They showed no mercy to no one. They were savages. And they came to kill and to rape and to plunder. And people said, where is God? And God wasn't to be found. Now, you say, but pastor, you, you said this is about God is God's grace. I want you to look at verse 10, if you would. Notice that God says something here. That there will come a time when he's going to show grace to this stiff-necked, stubborn of heart people. The day will come, in verse 10, that the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, You are not my people. There it shall be said once again, You are now the sons of the living God. Israel did not repent. The Hebrew people did not repent. God scattered them. He brought an invasion of the Assyrians. No pity, no mercy. And everybody thought God had forsaken and forgotten his nation and his people. God said, even though you have rejected me and would not repent, and I brought judgment against you, just as I said I would, there will come a time when I will regather you. I will bring you back from the four corners of the world, and I will reestablish you as a nation. I will give you mercy. I will show you pity. And I will reconfirm my covenant with you. You shall be my nation once again, and you shall be my people. In fact, I will call you sons and daughters of God. Now you're thinking to yourself, Pastor, when has that happened? It hasn't happened yet. But it's going to happen. In the tribulation period, in that seven years when hell comes to earth, in that seven-year period where the Antichrist rules the world, when half the world's population will be slaughtered. God will use the holocaust of the tribulation to bring his nation that's far from him back to him. He will use the holocaust of the tribulation to bring his people that are far from him back to him. In the tribulation, God will reestablish his covenant with his nation and with his people. And all the promises that he made to them will come to pass. Oh, they'll have to go through a hell on earth to get to that heavenly position. But God will do it. Because he's a God of grace. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Aren't you glad he deals with us so graciously? Oh, yes, he judges us if we sin, but his grace is always there. Aren't you glad of that? Oh, I'm so thankful that each and every day can be a renewal of his grace and mercy to me and to you. The children... Their names were a warning, unless you repent, this is going to happen to you. Now let's move on to 
the wife of Hosea, who's Gomer. And in her, we're going to learn that God is not only gracious, as we learn through the children, but we're going to learn that God is holy. In chapter 2, verse 2, It speaks of Gomer and the nation of Israel using a mother for an example. Plead with your mother. Plead, for she is not my wife, and I'm not her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight, her adulteries from between her breasts. Verse 5, for their mother hath played the harlot. She that conceived them hath done so shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers. They give me bread and water and wool and flax and oil. And they give me my drink. Hosea married Gomer. Remember, Gomer's his wife. And she's unfaithful. She's an adulteress with a capital A. Her personal sins against her husband, Hosea, are a reflection of the sins of the nation of Israel against God. So when God is going to speak to Hosea about the sins of Gomer, he's also speaking to the nation of Israel about their sins to him. If you read chapter 2, you'll notice that there's three sins that are specifically mentioned about Gomer. The sins that she committed that broke Hosea's heart and made a mockery of their relationship. The first sin of Gomer was adultery. Chasing after other men to engage in sexual immorality with them. This is a picture of Israel. Gomer committed physical adultery. The nation of Israel was committing spiritual adultery. They were leaving the God of the Bible. They were leaving the true and the living God to chase after idols that men had imagined in their minds or invented with their hands. Idols and false gods that had no presence. They had no power. They had no life. And yet Israel was chasing after them. And then secondly, Gomer had another sin that she was committing against her husband, Hosea, that broke his heart, that Israel was committing against God that was breaking his heart, and it was the sin of ingratitude. Gomer took the blessings of Hosea that he gave her as a husband. Hosea put a roof over her head. He put clothes on her back. He put food on the table. He took care of her when she was sick. He raised all the children, though two of them weren't his. And she never stopped to say thank you. She had an attitude of ingratitude to her own husband. She was arrogant. She was presumptuous. She said, Isaiah, Hosea, you owe this to me. And yet she had the audacity to chase after other men. And when they would give her trinkets where he was giving her diamonds, she would tell them how great they were and thank them. Israel was a nation of ingratitude. 
The Bible says all things come from where? From above. Everything you've got, everything you are, everything you will do comes by the grace of God. All good things come from God. And the nation of Israel was taking the blessings of God. They wouldn't say thank you. They wouldn't say we appreciate it. They wouldn't say express any love or loyalty to God. They were thanking the pagan idols for their stuff. They were bringing their sacrifices to these idols and saying, idols, thank you for all that we have and all that we are and all that we do. And then thirdly, Gomer's sin was not just adultery, chasing after other men for sexual immorality. It was not only ingratitude, not saying thank you to her husband who was giving her everything he could and more, and she never said thank you. But she said thank you to her lovers. And then her third sin was hypocrisy. Because you know she did come home every now and then. When the men got tired of her and they booted her out, she had to have a place to go, so she'd go home to Hosea. And you know what she'd tell him when she came home? I love you. Boy, but you just want to take your fist and knock her in the head, wouldn't you? That's what she'd do. Not once, not twice, over and over and over again. She would run off and then come whining back to Hosea and say, Oh, I love you. And he would take her back. And you know, old Israel was guilty of that hypocrisy. They would go chasing after their idols and chasing after their false gods and worshiping them and serving them and giving to them. And then they had the audacity to show up at church on Sunday and sing, Oh, how I love Jesus. You see, Gomer's sins against Hosea was Israel's sins against God. And Hosea could say that with passion and with hurt because he experienced it as a man and he knew partly what God was experiencing. By the way, Gomer would be judged of God. Israel would be judged of God. God will always judge sin. No sin will go unjudged. From the littlest sin to the biggest sin, sin will be judged because God is holy. He cannot allow and he will not allow sin in his presence. Because he is holy. If sin is not covered under the blood, that sin will not be allowed into his presence. You see, when we talk about God today, we talk about he's a God of love, and he is. We're going to see that in a minute. He's a God of grace, and he is. We've already seen that. He's a God of mercy, he is. He's a God of goodness, he is. He's a God of kindness, he is. But listen to your pastor. More than anything else, he's a God of holiness. If you want to be like him, you'll be holy. Be you therefore holy, because I am holy. When Isaiah the prophet got a vision, a glimpse into glory, all he could say 
The only words that could come out of his mouth when he saw God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, when he saw the Holy Trinity, the only thing he could say was what? Holy, holy, holy. Because God is holy. And we forget his holiness. We play fast and loose with his holiness. I'm telling you, he is going to judge sin because he is holy. The children, they show us the grace of God because even though God used their names to tell Israel what was going to happen to them if they did not repent, and they did not repent, God will graciously one day bring the nation back together, show mercy to his people, and call them sons and daughters and renew the covenant. Gomer is a picture of the nation of Israel, full of adultery, full of ingratitude, full of hypocrisy. She wouldn't repent. The nation of Israel would not repent. God brought judgment against both because God is holy. And then lastly, we close verse 14 of chapter 2. We now look at Hosea. Hosea is a picture of that God is love. God is grace. Yes, he is grace. God is holy. Yes, he is holy. And thirdly, God is love. Verse 14. Hosea has Gomer back. He's brought her back. And he then begins in a series of statements he's going to make through the rest of chapter 2. He's going to tell you what he's going to do with her when he gets her back. And it might surprise you. He says, verse 14, Therefore, behold, I will allure you and bring you into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto you. This woman who has repeatedly cheated on him, this woman who has slept with half the town of men, this woman who's conceived two children out of the marital relationship and now Hosea's having to raise them, this woman who got caught by, by pirates or by cutthroats who made her a slave and her sold her on the auction block. This woman who deserves nothing. Hosea brings her back. He invites her back into his home and the Bible says he will try to do six things with her. First of all, he says in verse 14, I will allure you. I'm not going to force you to love me, Gomer. I'm not going to manipulate you to love me. I'm not going to beat you. I'm not going to bribe you. I'm not going to bully you. I'm going to court you. That's what that word allure means. It means to court. Can you remember when you courted your wives? Some of you? A few of you? How about me? <laughs> you did court your wife, didn't you? That's what, that's what Hosea says to Gomer. I'm going I'm to recourt you. I'm going to redate you. We're going to reestablish this relationship. I'll do it because I love you. And then in verse 15, he says, I'm going to give you. I, I'm going to bless you because I love you. I'm going to bring you back into my house. I'm going to fill your closet with clothes. I'm going to give you good food to eat. I'm going to take you to the doctor and we're going to Get some medicine for your sickness. I'm going to buy you some jewelry. I'm going to get you some nice things because I love you. I want to bless you because I love you. When you love people, you want to give to people. Then in verse 15, he says, 
excuse me, in verse 16 and 17, he says, I want to forgive you of all your wrongs. I, I'm just going to forgive you. You've cheated on me 968 times. I'm going to forgive every one of them. You'll never hear another word from me about it. You've done this. You've done that. I, I, I forgive you, Gomer. Never will I say another word about it. Verse 18 through 20, he says, I will betroth you. In other words, I'm going to repeat my vows to you. I want you to understand that I love you. We're going to, have, we're going to renew this marriage covenant. We're going to rededicate ourselves. We're going to renew our vows because I love you. I'm going to respond to you. Whenever you have a need, I'm going to be there, verse 21 and 22. I'm going to make you whole, and I'm going to help you get better. Verse 23, I have a plan for our life. I've got a future already mapped out, and you're going to be part of my future with me. This is Hosea speaking to his wife, who he buys off the auction block. And he says, I'm going to do all this because I what? Help me out. Love you. I'm going to woo you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to forget your wrongs. I'm going to make you whole. I'm going to have a future with you. We're going we're gonna to redo it all again. We're going to start all over again. And you see, these promises that God that Hosea made to Gomer is a picture of the promises that God is making to Israel. I'm calling you back to me, Israel. I want to bless you again. I'm going to forgive you and forget your sins. I'm going to reestablish my covenant with you. I'm going to make you whole and I'm going to make you holy. And I'm going to tell you, we got a future together, Israel. Wow. Aren't you glad God is God? I mean, what would you have done, men, if that was your wife? Look up here at me. Don't look so pious. I could forgive maybe once or twice, but 968 times? I can't believe he did that. That's not very spiritual. What would you do? <laughs> Aren't you glad that God is a God of love? In his love, he will forgive, and in his love, he will judge. But in his love, he will do it all. Close with a little story. A girl who was raised in a godly home asked her father if she could go into the world and enjoy the things of the world. He had protected her from such things, but now she was 17 years old, going on 18, getting ready to graduate from high school. She wanted to drink like the other girls. She wanted to dope like the other girls. 
She wanted to go out and sleep with boys like the other girls. She wanted to enjoy the things of the world. And her father said, you can't do that. So she told her father she hated him. And she packed her bags and she left home. She found out that the world is not a good place to be. The world can be cold and cruel and hateful and abusive. She found herself living on the street, sleeping under a cardboard lean-to, going through the restaurant garbage to hope she could pick up a chicken bone, pick up some rotten vegetables, pick up some scraps off somebody's plate that was thrown in the trash can. She found that that life wasn't easy. So the only way she could endure it was to drink alcohol and snort white powder. Alcohol isn't free, white powder isn't cheap. And the only way an 18-year-old girl, now 18 years old, could make any money was to sell herself. And so she made herself a sex toy for dirty old men. And with the money that they paid her, she bought another bottle and another hit. That was her lifestyle. This girl who told her father she hated him. And she wanted to go out into the world. She thought about calling him, but she never called him. She'd pick up the phone, put it back down. She thought about writing him a letter. And she'd write it, and then she'd crumble it up and throw it away. She went by the house many times, thought about getting out of the taxi or whatever ride she had and knocking on the door, but she drove on by. A beautiful young girl, full of life, was now an ugly piece of trash. Eighteen years old, going on seventy, because sin will destroy your body. A young girl that had all the potential, now nothing but a piece of trash for dirty men to play with and throw back into receptacle. While she was living that life, her daddy was praying. Praying that one day she would come home. He not only was praying, he was going out and searching the city that they lived in because he had a feeling she didn't go far. That search took him to all kinds of places on the wrong side of town, the dark side of town, the evil side of town. But he never could find her. He finally decided to have some flyers made. On the flyer was a picture of him and her when she was 13 years old. They were standing together arm in arm, smiling, life was good. He put that picture on the flyer and he put these words on the flyer. Daddy still loves you. Come home. And he took those flyers and he put them in the bars. He put them in the motels. He put them in the little one-room shanty shacks. 
He took them to the dope dens. He took them anywhere and everywhere that he thought she might run across them. Daddy still loves you. Come home. She saw the flyer. In a public restroom, she saw that flyer. She saw her daddy. She saw her when she was 13. She thought back about life before she decided to go to the pig pen. And she saw the words, Daddy still loves you. Though you're an alcoholic, though you're a drug addict, though you've slept around as a prostitute, though you have broken my heart, I still love you. I wish I could tell you she went back home. But she didn't. For whatever reason, she never went back home. And at age 19, they found her OD dead behind a restaurant. What does that tell us? It tells us this, pay attention. We can reject God's love, but we can't stop Him from loving us. You can run off. You can tell God you hate Him and you can plunge yourself into this world. You can get low. You can get filthy. You can get dirty. You can get smelly because you're running with pigs. But you can't outrun God's love. And everywhere you go, you'll see something in front of you that will say, Daddy still loves you. Come home. You may never come home, but He'll love you. He'll love you in this life, and He'll love you in the life to come. He'll love you on earth, and He'll love you in hell, but He will love you. Because that's the kind of God He is, a God of love. the God of grace there's hope in him he's the God of holiness he's going to judge sin you won't get away with it but he's a God of love and he says wherever you're at wherever you're at 